We have to go back! Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are the Mini Black Galaxy Defenders 2. That's what we're <laughs> recording. It's not February. Again, we keep doing these these sequels that would have been excellent for sequelary, but we can't help ourselves. The sequelary miracle. Yeah. Sequelary in June. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. It's almost like Christmas in July. But better. Way better. <laughs> uh, with the release of Men in Black International, we are reviewing Men in Black 2, also stylized as uh, M2B. Um, oh. Just like with the Roman numeral 2. Yeah. And that came out in the sequel year of the century. Like, at once every millennia, we get a year of sequels. And that was the year 2002, where almost every sequel came out because it was the year 2002. And everyone's like, we need to work these numbers into the title. We need to work these numbers into the title. So everyone remembers when it came out. So Men in Black 2... Uh, follows the story from Men in Black 1 with Agent K, uh, you know, uh, spoilers for Men in Black, uh, a movie that came out in 1997, 6, right? Uh, I don't Seven. remember because it wasn't in the title. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you had to have the name <laughs> and the year, the number of movie it is and the year synonymous with each other. But M97B just didn't have the same ring to it. Very tough to fit in the logo. Very difficult. Yeah. Uh, so this follows the sequel uh, from the movie that came out in 1997. Uh, it follows Agent K, who is officially retired at the end of the first Men in Black movie. He was neuralized by Agent J. Uh, and so J has been working overtime as a top field agent of MIB. And then a powerful and malevolent alien named Sarlina. Sarlina? Yeah. Uh, returns to Earth looking for the Light of Zartha, which is tied to a case that Agent K was involved in back in the 70s. And to get the information they need, they reinstate K and get back to business. And much like the first movie, Will Smith released a tie-in music video entitled Black Suits Coming, parentheses, Nod Your Head. Uh, and uh, it was one of it's it the credit song. It was one of my favorite songs. Uh, it, it came out on his album Born to Rain. Now I found a really interesting tie-in. So the Men in Black song from the original 1997 movie was actually Will Smith's first solo breakout hit. Oh. Uh, that song came out with his first album Big Willie Style, which is his first solo album. Um, after doing work with uh, Jazzy Jeff and himself as a Fresh Prince. And so that's why, you know, he released another song with this movie and why he, you know, didn't release a song with every single movie he was in. That's why we were deprived of a Independence Day movie mm. uh, related song, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. I, you know, would if it existed, I'd play it every Independence Day and why we don't have a uh, Suicide Squad uh, song as well. Oh, I was wondering why. <laughs> Weren't we all? Yeah, although I would have loved an Independence Day rap of Welcome to Earth. 
It would have been so good. It would have been pretty great. So Men in Black 2 is also the grounds in which Men in Black 3 was made. The story goes that while filming Men in Black 2, Smith told Sonnenfeld uh, his idea for the third film. He's like, at the beginning, something has happened to Agent K and he's missing. And I have to go back in time to try to save young Agent K. Uh, And Sonnenfeld said, okay, can we finish this movie first? (laughs) Uh, and then a decade later, the plot to Men in Black 3 did revolve around time travel and the young Josh Brolin. Yeah, I never saw the third one, but I'm excited to see it now. I mean, the premise of someone going back in time to save their older friend with a younger version of themselves appeals to me for some reason. <laughs> um but yeah, uh-huh, I definitely uh-huh. want to see that now. Maybe in Threequilary. Yeah. Yes, Threequilary will be the time. Next March. <laughs> so Man in Black 2 uh, was number one its opening weekend, and it beat out the Powerpuff Girls movie uh, and oh. box office sales. Uh, with a budget of $140 million, it made over $441 million worldwide, which is really good for the movie bad for a secret organization that's all about amenity that's right amenity <laughs> eminent what, what how's it go anonymity there we go ethereal <laughs> ethereal bit of black tree was released on dvd and vhs on november 26 2002 uh and it finally made its way on blu-ray may 1st 2012 and uh before we go into our reactions and review of the movie uh, i have a couple of fun facts that i thought were really interesting so the tandem bicycle uh couple oh yeah the decorate lights Mm -hmm. they are just residents of that new york area (laughs) and they made appearances both in men in black 2 and the first men in black that's interesting Right. I thought I thought they were intentionally red herrings because since they were looking for the light, I kept looking for areas where the light may reside, and I thought maybe they were the keepers of the light. Oh. And, and another one that I thought it could be is the UFO um, that is crashed into that diner. It has the blinking yeah. light, and they're like, the pie is so good. I thought the light made the pie good. Um, and so, yeah, I thought they were very much... Uh, plot points possibly so that's cool they just lived there and uh just pedaled past the police yeah. tape yeah <laughs> we're shooting <laughs> so in 2000 uh men in black alien attack replaced back to the future 3 uh locomotive display when it opened up at universal studios in orlando uh, Will Smith and Rip Torn actually filmed a short video and supplied their voices, which play as the writers use laser guns to shoot animatronic aliens. Hmm. And so, which I guess now would be where the Simpsons ride is. Yes. Okay. And both Robert Downey Jr. and Keanu Reeves auditioned for the role of Scrat, uh, which went to Johnny Knoxville. Wow. Johnny Knoxville beat out both those guys. Yeah, only in 2002 would that sentence ever exist. Uh, so, Grayson, was this your first time watching MIB2 or M2B? Um, or not M2B? M2B or not to be? Yes, it was. That's a great question. Um, mm-hmm. It was my, my very first time to watch it. And when we had done the first one, that was my first time to watch that movie as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. I had seen this trailer 
an abnormal amount of times though, because whenever they're doing the scene where they're in the, the mail room and they're communicating through like the beatbox and, and all that, I was like, I have definitely seen this about a dozen times and I'm pretty sure it was from the trailer. Um, I also knew even before we watched the first movie, I knew that Kay worked at the post office and I think it was because I was so inundated with the the marketing for this movie back in 2002. So, yes. yeah, I was very aware of a lot of the plot points. What I didn't uh, really know, and maybe we talked about this in the, uh, the, the first review of MIB1, but um, I didn't realize this was based on Malibu Comics. And I, I always really appreciate when I'm watching something and then... I realized it was based on a comic that wasn't Marvel or DC. I just think it's great when some of the smaller publishers get adaptations, um, similar to like um, Umbrella Academy, realizing that, oh, it was a comic adaptation that wasn't uh, Marvel or DC. Uh, Same thing with this, that it was Malibu comic. Um, And then secondly, Sarlina looked incredibly familiar to me the entire movie and I couldn't think of where it played by uh, Lara Flynn Boyle. I, I was like, we've seen her somewhere and I feel like we had seen her somewhere on the podcast before. And turns out she is Stacy Wayne's ex-girlfriend from Wayne's world who gives him the gun rack. Oh my goodness. Even though he doesn't own a gun let alone enough to necessitate an entire rack. Wow. Okay. I, I also, like, I just didn't scroll down IMDb far enough. I was like, why does she look familiar? Mm -hmm. Thank you, Grayson, for allowing me to sleep at night. I've just been (laughs) up for a very long time. So one of the things that I, because I, I love this movie. I love Will Smith. Uh, just as a person, uh, Will, if you're listening, uh, thank you for oh, existing. Big listener, yeah, a big listener. Um, I one of my think one of my favorite things I love about just him as a performer is that he, <laughs> I just feel like he's just having the most fun on set. Yeah. Um, and he like he uh, that the line of um, like that little like pop up driver um, airbag thing oh, uh, yeah. with. He's the like, is that kind of standard? He's like, he's like, oh, well, it was originally a black guy, but he kept on getting pulled over. Will Smith improvised that line. Uh, same way that he improvised the line in the first movie. He was like, oh, you know, it'd just be raining black people in New York. I completely believe that those were improvised, though. Right? Yeah, because I don't think someone sat down in the writer's room and said, and this is where he says. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and so I, I just always am just delighted by Will Smith's performance. Um, there are two things I didn't notice uh, as heavily the first time I watched this movie. Um, one that I, I didn't really notice is how um, the, the CGI, how it just it was still figuring itself out. Mm-hmm. Um, because I remember thinking, like, it's so amazing, all these these aliens aliens are real we're watching just a documentary like it just looked so real back in the day um the second thing i didn't notice as much is how heavily product placed burger king was oh, throughout a lot this of movie. burger king yeah oh my goodness so i was gonna take you guys back to 2002 uh back in the day there used to be a heavy 
tie-ins with either Burger King or McDonald's predominantly when movies be released, especially movies that had kids in mind. Yeah. Uh, and the Burger King kids meal was a big to do. They had a uh, collect all 10 different toys uh and just including a pair of sunglasses not ray-bans otherwise that would be one of the most impressive tie-ins ever uh you know with like a little frank the pug uh a little mib scanner thing like a little a lot neuralizer of really cool toys. I, remember, I think i had the neuralizer oh man yeah just that was one of my favorite ones uh but also uh Burger King released a uh, MIB2 Black Stack Barbecue Griller, um, which was uh, a double, basically a mini double Whopper uh, with cheese and bacon and onions on like a brioche bun. Like it looks delicious. You can watch the trailer online. Um, But like the degree to which, like, because we know that Men in Black is a secret organization, but in the first movie, they didn't really have retail stores inside of the building. Uh, but then they had a Sprint store and a Burger King. Yeah, just the, the I, basics of how to be human. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. You need you need Sprint services <laughs> and a Burger King. No other store was like there. No Radio Shack or anything. Nope. Which led me to believe... Uh, what were the fran- what's the franchise opportunity that happens with Burger King and Sprint as it relates to secret government organizations? I'm not questioning the logic of it. I just want to know how I can get in on it. <laughs> I also want to know who works at those stores. You know, is it like the airport where you have a special pass to get through security yes. faster? Yeah. Although their security is pretty lax. It's just the one guy with the newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who just lets everyone on in. Everyone <laughs> like, oh, I'm glad you guys are here. Um oh, another really fun thing that they did with the toys uh is that they came in plastic little mystery bags. So, you know how sometimes you can go out and buy um one of those mystery box toys where you know it's going to be one of 12, but it's just all like uh sealed up in a box and the whole thing is like you want to get one of the mystery boxes so you can unwrap it Mm -hmm. they did the same thing but back in the day it was just all black so you didn't know what toy you're gonna get usually those uh kids meals toys are in a clear plastic but it was in all black plastic so that was uh it was ahead of its time if you will yeah that was maddening for me because i was one of those (laughs) where if i got a duplicate of a toy i would try to collect the whole set and so i would take it back and be like can i get something that i don't have already please um couldn't do that couldn't do that when you can't see what it is uh you stuck with it you stuck you're like great i i have 12 frank the pugs (laughs) (sighs) great that's a litter uh so (laughs) i think I really did enjoy this movie. Um, The thing, my only critique, quote unquote, I have of it is that I would have loved more of Rosario Dawson's story to be like fleshed out because it really is all about bringing Agent K back. Yeah. um, And then unsolving that mystery. Um, But I would have liked to see more of her story and her relationship with Will because. Like they they have a couple of moments together, but nothing nearly as in depth as um, Agent L in the first movie, right? Um, and so I just would have liked more of that, but I would understand that you know they probably wouldn't want to 
retread too much territory. Yeah, uh, that's my critique like, of any Rosario Dawson movie or TV is I want more, more Rosario Dawson. More. Uh, definitely in the Marvel Netflix shows, but, uh, you know. Yes. See yeah. ya when I see ya. <laughs> I just want someone to release a, uh, hopefully on Disney Plus, they'll just have all the Rosario Dawson episodes from the different shows. And you can just yeah, watch the, those. Yeah. The clear cut. Yeah. I just, I just, I just want the night nurse to be a playlist on Disney plus. Yeah. Disney plus make it happen. And also interconnect, uh, you know, clips from men in black too, because you <laughs> technically own them. Uh, so Malibu comics, fun fact was bought by Marvel. Oh, comics, making men in black technically a Marvel film. Interesting. I like which, that. I'm going to use for headcanon later on. Or maybe I already have in the previous episodes. Who knows? Not me. Um, So I I really did enjoy this movie. And I I, I just really wanted that storyline between Will and Rosario to play out more. Um, Now, what I have to say next, Grayson, is extremely classified. So um, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to have to neuralize the rest of the audience. Um, So if you could just put on your sunglasses... Uh, I, I will do the same. All right. Um, and um, <laughs> those are sunglass noises. <laughs> Good. <laughs> oh, that's better. Um, Mine are wet. <laughs> <laughs> that's the sound of a neuralizer. You have all been audibly neuralized. Let's get into it. Highly classified document. Head cannon. Head cannon. <laughs> Headcanon is the part of the show where we share a few unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. I'm just going to come right out and say it. No preamble. Scully is an MIB agent? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I lost it. Like, when Scully is there. We're not talking about X-Files, Scully. We're talking about. We're talking about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Scully. Yeah. Uh, which also, now you bring that together, it was hidden in plain sight. <laughs> oh, that that Scully from Brooklyn Nine-Nine is the oh. old version of Scully from X-Files? Yeah. I'm so... It just... <laughs> it all just makes so much sense. He... And then he retired himself. Like, even back to... Like, let's just say that the whole Hitchcock and Scully... Um, you know, relationship that mm-hmm. they have on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Like, I believe that to be real. Yeah. But at some point in time, he got recruited to be an MIB agent and then retired back to the Nine Nine. Uh, maybe he just took an extended vacation one year, or I don't know how to explain it. But Scully from Brooklyn Nine Nine is an MIB agent, and I love that so much. It's not even head cannon. They just. They just laid it out because he's there. We know he did work as a security guard briefly because you've tied this before uh, with the Truman Show. Yes. Yeah. That he, but he he always works security. I love it. Yeah. He certainly has a type. Mm -hmm. I honestly don't remember anything that was said in our first Men in Black review i i think we got neuralized after that Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, maybe that. i'm doing the same headcanon again 
there's really no we, way of knowing. I'm pretty sure we get neuralized at the end of every episode that <laughs> That's we so do. True. That's the problem we run into with every time we do a sequel. Like, yeah, I'd probably recast in headcanon the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my headcanon for this, though, is that, especially since they're looking for the light, is that the characters in Pulp Fiction are MIB agents, <gasps> and the briefcase is the light of Zartha. It's, it is what they think it is. Whoa. That is the light. Yeah. Whoa. And so, extension of that headcanon. Oh, Grayson, do it. Do it. Is that Ving Rames's character was the same species of Johnny Knoxville's character, but he had the second head removed, and that's what the Band-Aid is. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. See, what I thought you were going to say is that uh, that is how Jules became an MIB agent and then made his own agency with <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. or then got recruited for S.H.I.E.L.D. Ah, <sighs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'm I sure mean, that he was a cannon. scroll. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 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 So good. <laughs> so good. So many agencies and aliens and what have yous and MacGuffins and yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it so much. That's so good. Uh, there's not only that headcanon, but also this little piece of headcanon uh, that I don't think ever got uh, fully uh, established, but. It, it would seem that there are hundreds of MIB agents, right? Yeah, seems like. Well, I mean, I would guess you could only have like what as many letters as are in the alphabet, right? Yes, Grayson, that is exactly what I was going to address. Okay. However, um, here is my uh, guess of how they address that. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently went to go see a play. I know, humble brag. Um, <laughs> wow. And. Uh, we got some really great seats uh, in the back of the house, and our section was QQ. Oh. We were in section QQ, which is all the way back. Like, your head is resting on the wall. I would think that'd be uh, ZZ. You would think. Yeah. ZZ was further left. Oh. Uh, QQ was right in the <laughs> middle. Uh, and so my guess is that if they do have more than one agent, mm-hmm. uh, they just double up on their letter. So Agent J was good for him. His username was available. Yeah. But everyone else had to just be that. It's like, okay, well, you'll be JJ. It's like, oh, we have another JJ. I was like, okay, well, here's JJJ. Uh, or 3J, as they would probably call him, I assume. Um, Trey J. Trey J. That's good. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so that that would be my guess uh, as how they address that. Um, it, it's it's not so much head canning as it is uh, cataloging. It's more like head so. logistics. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I was wondering that too, and I was wondering if in uh, MIB International, since it is international, if there will be agents named after letters we don't have in our alphabet. Uh, like agent, you know, Russian letter or the different accent marks like uh, agent Tilde. <laughs> agent Tilde Swinton. Yes, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Tilde Swinton. Sorry, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, we're going further into um, higher security clearance. I just need to get my glasses on. <laughs> okay, great. 
Uh, now we're going to go into the part of the show where we like to talk about recast and remakes. Recast for a remake. If the movie were to be remade today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? And I really think, uh, probably for the first time ever saying this, uh, I think that if they were to make Men in Black today, um, or Men in Black 2 today, um, that I really think, um, like, if they were to not have Will Smith, Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, why wouldn't you? Um, I actually think Michael B. Jordan. Oh uh, yeah, I would. I would love to see him take on a more comedic role like that. Yeah. Um, just because I mean, he he plays pretty serious roles. I, I I'm more so imagining him in Fan Four Stick. Um, like even when he's supposed to be like somewhat sarcastic, he's still very serious. Yeah. Um, I think that he could uh do funny well. Um, but if not him, um, I, I think <laughs> I would just love to see, um, my Brooklyn nine, nine dreams and have, uh, Andy Samberg as the rookie and Andre Bauer as, uh, agent K, um, and the more serious seasoned role. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that that would just be fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and have Andy Samberg just getting just. Destroyed by several aliens would just be really fun to see. It was so gross. <laughs> uh, yeah, for for Jay, I had Lamorne Morris. Uh, I yes, thought he would be absolutely. a lot of fun. And then for Kay, I mean, maybe Josh Brolin, right? <laughs> He's kind of aged into the role. Yeah. And then it would just connect to the original uh, canon. It can days of future past the whole thing. And yes connect the old and new and then for agent t i had nick offerman i love patrick warburton get him if you can but if not nick offerman Um, that'd be great and then for zed rip torn's character alec baldwin um, because he's just really good when he's in charge of organizations and yelling at people i'm of course thinking of aloha and then for frank for Frank, I would have Jim Carrey doing the um, the Tony Clifton voice, I, and because they're basically the same thing. Um, oh, well, okay, yeah, right. okay. What were you talking about? Okay, you think I'm a dog? You think I only look like a dog? Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that'd, be good. that'd be really good. Um, if you can't get Jim Carrey doing Tony Clifton, then uh, uh, get Danny DeVito because he's really good at playing characters named Frank. And then <laughs> uh, for Sarlena, I had Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of struck me. And then for Rosario Dawson's character, uh, Zoe Kravitz, because I'm obviously on a big little lies kick. Yes. You um, are. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, oh, and then. Finally, Scrat was Johnny Knoxville's character, right? Is it Scrat? Yes. Okay. Um, you had mentioned that uh, he beat out Keanu Reeves and Robert Downey Jr. I would just recast him with both of them as separate heads. <laughs> Who? Which one would be the symbiote head? Um, I think Robert Downey Jr. would be the symbiote head. Perfect. Yeah, Keanu Reeves is just doing his best to be a person and Robert Downey Jr. is over his shoulder criticizing him. Yes, yeah. I love it. I love that. For places that they could take the story, I'd, I would also love to see a, uh, a short about T's first week, just Patrick Warburton <laughs> on the job. That was my 
probably my biggest criticism yes. of the movie is that Patrick Warburton's not in more of it. Uh, cause I love him and everything. Yes. Um, so yeah, tease big week, uh, tease big week. And then I'd also love to see an animated show about the people that live in that water bubble, but we yes. don't know it's an MIB crossover until the end when K sticks his finger in the bubble, uh, and they scream all is lost. Um, and, uh, it would be directed by M night Shyamalan, um, yes. in case that wasn't clear. Yeah. <laughs> This was a sequel? Oh. Yep. I gotta call my mom. Unbreakable split. (laughs) Orb. And glass. The unbreakable Kimmy split. Yeah. They call him uh, the last waterbender. Okay. 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 We know where the line is. (laughs) Okay. Let's get that neuralizer. Okay. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now we're going to go into our final a uh, segment of the show where we like to give you reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend M2B <laughs> or MIB2? I, I'd recommend this movie because um, oh, it's it's funny, it's fun, it it delivers on the same premise that they set up in the first one. So, it's a great great sequel, but also a great standalone film. Um, I think the performances. Uh, are really strong and the evolution of the characters makes sense to me. Um, But ultimately I would recommend this movie because the lesson, the big takeaway, at least for me was that the world and the universe is so much bigger than we can imagine. Um, And we are small and that's okay. Uh, And I think the refreshing thing about it is it makes our everyday problems seem not as big and even at the end of the movie, when they're like, oh, you need to like release those locker people. It's cruel to keep them there. They kind of do the same thing that they did with the marble at the end of the first one, where it's like, it's all a matter of perspective. If you think that you're at the top of whatever food chain that you're in, just take a step back. Don't have the arrogance of thinking that you are the, the biggest thing in the universe and I just really enjoy that idea. I think that that's a very um, a humbling thought. And I like the way that they approach it in each movie of um, just zoom out a little bit on your own life and see that your problems, your perspective is not the biggest perspective in the universe. And I think that's something that we should be reminded of uh, more often. Very well said. Too bad I'm going to have to neuralize you, Grayson. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's wet. <laughs> I I I really love uh the Men in Black series, uh especially at a time when uh sci-fi movies were more serious. Um but it's like, oh no, there's an alien invasion or um whatever Mars attacks was supposed to be. Um I I think that it finds the right um, balance between being an action movie, an action mystery comedy um, that kind of takes us um, in a different uh, perspective of like, okay, what if aliens were just living among us? Um, what would that look like? And what would the secret organization, like what would the stakes be of the secret organization um, that, you know, in a pre-Marvel MCU Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of world, like what would be the ramifications of, 
of not letting the public know. Um, even in the, the first movie, when Agent J says to Kay, like, why don't you let people know? Like, people people are smart. He's like, no, a person is smart. People are dumb, panicking animals or something like that. Like, he, <laughs> he just, he knows that, like, the wider population, like, couldn't handle knowing that, like, aliens actively exist among us. Um, it is an interesting perspective of just, like, well, like, what if we've already accepted the fact that aliens do live among us? You know? Like, mm-hmm. I, I just think that, like, there, there's a lot of the fear of the unknown, uh, and it kind of is fun to kind of play with the idea of like, well, what if the unknown is already happening? It kind of turns into a mini episode of Black Mirror for you. Uh, oh. But it, with Men in Black 2, uh, it's fun. It is a, a, a beautiful time capsule for the early 2000s because... When Who Let the Dogs Out played, I screamed. I screamed out loud because I'm like, that's right. This is firmly planted in the year 2002. He's like, hey, internet, search this thing. I said, okay, it's been a very long time since I went to the internet and saw exactly that screen. Okay, and the PS2 controller, I was just like, okay, I just I just need to sit down. I need to sit down. I don't know why I watched this whole movie standing up. I just need to sit down. <laughs> Um, and also, this movie has maybe my favorite quote specifically for this podcast, the tablet. We have lived by its word, and peace has reigned throughout our world. Pass it on to others so that they, too, may be enlightened. Be kind. Rewind. Reconcile your past in order to move into your future. Two for one every Wednesday. Give twice as much as ye receive on our most sacred of days every Wednesday. Large adult entertainment section in the back. That's just nasty. Um, <laughs> I I love it. I, I love the idea that there are just aliens already among us. And there's a secret organization just hard at work protecting the Earth from the scum of the universe, too. And that has been our review of Men in Black 2 or M2B. If you're nasty, uh, let us know what you remember about the movie uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. On all of our social media, we are at Flashback Flicks. And it would mean the galaxy to us if you could leave us a rating on a scale of one to five suits that you wear again. Yeah. One to five secondhand suits. Mm-hmm. That have been dry cleaned. Oh, yeah. Do they have a dry cleaner in, like, is it next to the Sprint store? No, I think they just use the grill at Burger King. Oh, <laughs> I see. Burn the germs double, away. Yeah. Double as a steamer. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Ricky, do you realize that Toy Story 4 comes out the same weekend as Child's Play? Oh, no, that sounds awful. (sighs) Yeah. And confusing for the box office. Very confusing. There's got to be some kind of crossover between the two of them. A David crossover? Small soldiers. Well, I think we're done here. (laughs) 